Welcome to Brews Rock. We're Chuck Mountain, a band nestled in the beautiful beer country of North Carolina. Each week, we pick brewers' minds about their brewing philosophy and pick up tricks to bring new life to your home brew. We played at countless breweries and decided it was about time to learn how to craft our own. Welcome to Brews Rock, where we talk about beer and the people who make it. Today we're talking to Kate Reese, the founder of Reese Bottling and Canning. She's come a long way from barely making enough money to cover her gas to heading a full-time team that's ready and excited to assist brewers all across our great state. That's right, Bo. Kate's journey is a testament to the value of persistence. And hey, if you can keep your sense of humor when things go sideways, you're halfway there. And let's not forget the importance of pivoting, because sometimes when life gives you lemons, you gotta make beer or something like that. So buckle up, grab a cold one, because this is an episode you don't want to miss. I think really good brewers are this weird, and a lot of the ones, obviously I've met a lot of them, but a lot of the really good ones, like the inspired people, they're creative scientists and a lot of them it's really interesting a lot of them like also cook or bottle their own hot sauce or like are chefs or they have other creative outlets Mm -hmm. too because i asked one of our i think it was chris one of the guys that we interviewed i was like he said that he used to be a cook cook Mm -hmm. i said do do they go hand in hand he said knowing the flavors and stuff it's the same deal i think also like it's and something sometimes I envy because the packaging space is a little different. We do all this craft and then we just give it back to you. Here you go. And <laughs> I joked one time with Stuart over at Phil and Fish. I was like, "Those are my cans," and he was like, "No, they're my, they're mine now. They're mine now. Like, they're, that's my <laughs> they used to be, but now they're mine." And I was like, "But they're my cans." Like, like you know that invoice? <laughs> like that's the <laughs> transaction. That's okay, that stops right here. That's right. like a state line. What you pay us to do? <laughs> Speaking of Eric with the whole like making beer, he makes a double at the end of the year around Thanksgiving that he has made to perfectly pair with Thanksgiving food. Ooh. It's yeah, something like you can have from beginning to end, from wherever you start to whatever you end with dessert, the beer pairs with it all. So whenever he brings that back, I'll bring you one. Hell yeah. I want to try that this year. Make them friends. Make them friends. (laughs) I think that's actually one of the coolest things about this space. Yeah. Is how many people I've met and from all walks of life and all backgrounds. Hmm. I'm not sure why you pointed at me when you said that. Because you were saying like somebody was a chef. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought yeah, you were like, this sketchy guy. You're a weirdo, Joe. I mean, this guy. Yeah, that guy. Hmm. <laughs> well, no, it's funny. And people have these really fascinating passions, and they do cool shit, and they, I mean, it's just been really fun to me. Like, even the people who work for us are all super different backgrounds. And it helps because as much as we are a beverage company in some ways, we're really more of a logistics company. Yeah. Like, yeah. we are a packaging and logistics company 
first and foremost. It helps us do our craft better when we understand beverages. So the two even that y'all are holding, like that cider right there. It's from, very cherry. I, yeah, I think it's delicious. I really like it. It's like, tasty. I, I don't get cranberry. I, get... I think it, you want to talk about Christmas dinner. Like I actually oh, yeah. poured that from the can into these like fun cups and I put a sprig of rosemary in it and served it around for Lemon Christmas. Rest. There you go. Like very bougie style. Want to try this? Um, yeah, I'll try this one. Try the red rocket. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's really good. good. I think the kicker with cider is that so many of them are so sweet. Yeah. And I think that cranberry gives it enough It's tartness. got a good sweet in the beginning and then it goes really tart, uh -huh. but it doesn't like It's not pucker. like just sugar to your what? face. First wind-powered brew pub. Yeah, dude, Outer Banks Brewing is fun. We gotta go. That's that, one of the places we've okay. talked about going. So I, what episode were y'all in where y'all were talking about going to the Outer Banks? That was, that was our, our, what the our, fuck is brew yeah. That's right, that was like, so, uh, we do the canning for Outer Banks Brewing Station, and they're so much fun. They just got some new owners, that, but I met them on our last job. We were there a few weeks ago. But their head brewer, Dave, I swear to God, y'all, the first day we showed up, I think he was like, who the fuck is this girl? Yeah. And I'm like, what? She does not look like what I thought she was supposed <laughs> to be. And we had some electrical challenges. So our machine, I told you it takes a lot of air pressure. It also takes a little more electricity than some other types of machines. So it's pretty heavy duty, but that takes a big old round NEMA plug, 250 volt, that takes 250 volts. And so most places is not an issue. Yeah, the wind power. The first time we ever went down there, we spent hours trying to figure out just why it wouldn't, the, it was the belt. Like I could get the machine to turn on, but then I couldn't get the belt to run. If the belt's not running, like we ain't canning beer. So, and then the motor on the seamer. Hand cranked that. Thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just give it a little like, come on now. At that point, just yeah. get your little bike yeah, and just start. Just, yeah, two hundred fifty yeah. cases like this. Here we go. Um, Talk about a workout. Yeah, <laughs> which you don't need that after you've moved all that equipment out of your trailer. Like you're done. Yeah. That's what that helps for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. stay in shape. Um, so, uh, we stuck with it though. That's the other thing about mobile canning. I was like. Drove all the way fucking down here. Like I ain't going home right? until you get some cans. Yeah. This is going down. And so we ended up running off of the food truck generator. Oh damn. And we realized, blessedly, it wasn't our machine, thank God, because you always worry at some point. Like yeah. did something happen in, in transit. Like yeah. these are machines that yeah, for all intents and purposes, canning machines weren't really built to be moved around. Oh yeah. And I love when I talk to the manufacturers of canning machines, because they're like we can make you a wheelbase. I'm like, listen, the cat can have kittens in the oven. I don't make them biscuits. Yeah. Like, this is not, <laughs> just because you put wheels on it, bro, don't make it mobile. Like, I don't know where you think. But okay, cool, sure. See, there I it mean, is. That's the that, name of the episode. There you go. Don't make them biscuits. Like, not I mean, making biscuits. But even like the guy, it's funny, when Stuart over at Phil and Fish got their Cody machine, I went to go see it, and I asked the guy about counter pressure mobile and he was like we could put wheels on it i'm like dude that is a very heavy machine that's a big because for counter pressure you've got this big tank underneath and so basically the beer is coming from the beer tank to the little holding tank for lack of a better layman's terms little holding tank and then that tank is pushing it into the cans with this i don't know how to explain it but it's almost like a little kind of cup that looks like this fits right over top of it. So you're not getting any Outside, air in yeah. that point. Now, it comes off and it has to go get a lid. So I mean, you have some of that still in line. But yeah. it cuts but down on that? 
Yeah, I think it is. It can cut down with DO. I think, I don't know if y'all have talked about anybody about dissolved oxygen. No. Definitely we, uh, something that in the packaging space we think about all the time. I will, oh, yeah. We talked about uh, it, but I think it was off. Like oxidizing. Yeah. It was yeah, off oxidation. podcast, yeah. Yeah, I don't know um, if we've actually talked to somebody on the podcast about that. Yeah, we talked to Eric about it while we were brewing. We had a lot of conversations. Yeah, we had yeah. a long day. <laughs> There's a whole lot of fucking chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Like, way more, like, if you ever thought, I don't need to pay attention to chemistry. And some people who go listening. all the way back to the water chemistry, like yeah. where you are and how you get your water yeah. actually affects things well, too. Then, like yeah. What minerals are in your water? And some people will put, huh? they'll do different things to make sure there's not chemicals or they'll test their water and go, okay, cool. I want to make this and this, but this water's better for this kind of beer. And yeah. Same thing I, with bagels. Same thing with bagels. <laughs> that is true. I don't know really? how to make bagels. The like New York, like the bagels up there, everyone always talks about yeah, how New good. York bagels are awesome. It's because of the water. It's because the water's so gnarly. Like it's like <laughs> full of so much stuff that so much pollution. Just, yeah. So it's just basically dirty water. Yeah, <laughs> dirty, dirty water, water makes great now, bagels. Now that would be an awesome bagel shop name. Yeah. Dirty, dirty water, water bagels. bagels. Yeah. Dirty would water. anybody come to that though? Yeah. What are they trying to promote? I mean, I'm pretty sure they <laughs> would. Yeah. Like yeah. I would. I love bagels. I would too. All right. So, do you have any questions for us? Because we have some questions for you. No. Because really, it's I mean, just what we've been doing is pretty much what we're going to keep well, doing. Listen, I can <laughs> sit around and shoot the shit all day. <laughs> Until the beer runs out, and then they yeah. definitely keep Miller Lite over there. So they? <laughs> just don't tell anybody on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah, yeah. definitely not <laughs> doing that. Drink. If we venture off into something, and you were like, Kate. Yeah. Then, I do have to bartend later today. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. I'm, so you got to stay. You can only get a little crunk. Yeah. I can only get a little. There's not crunk. enough in there to get us all drunk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, lemonade's not hard. You've never met Sammy. Lemonade's just. I don't think it's much Yeah. 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 So can we start off with you introducing yourself and where we are and what you do? Yeah. 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 I am Kate Reese. I'm the owner of Reese Bottling and Canning, which is a mobile canning and packaging solutions company based here out of Winston-Salem. And we are in our warehouse. We're sitting here in front of some cans, some empty cans, and a whole bunch of packaging materials. Sweet. So it's not glamorous, but. And some boats. And some boats. Hey. And, some boats. <laughs> and, boats. and a few no. cars. Yeah. Hey, they can't tell what the boats look like yeah. or if they're yours or not. So and we'll just say there's boats. Yeah, yachts. there's boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. yeah. our yacht marina storage facility. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're just hanging out. It's, yeah, we got yeah. three yachts in here. Yeah. yeah. Well, how did you first get into, like, how did this all come about? I was, this is a really wild story, but I came out of the wine side mm -hmm. of things. So wine was my initial love. I love wine, by the way. It's delightful. And not just like, I'm a wino. I mean, I might be a wino, but I also <laughs> love, like, you know, like people love beer. I oh, also yeah. love wine and how it pairs with food and just all of its different things. So I was sitting in a meeting with Jay Raffaldini, who owns Raffaldini Vineyards, like Pinnacle, Rhonda area. It's mm -hmm. beautiful, by the way. He was talking about how everybody wants to be the winemaker. Everybody wants to own the vineyard. They want to look out on their grapes and be like, look at me. And <laughs> the reason that North Carolina struggles in the wine space, there's a few reasons, which is probably outside this podcast, but. We can make good wine in North Carolina. Mm -hmm. You just, you got to know what to order. So stop ordering Chardonnay. Everybody, stop. Yeah. Just stop. We're not making good Chardonnay. Like, just. Anyways, I digress. But so I was talking with him about how everybody wants to be a big cheese, but nobody wants to be in supportive industry. And he was like, if you go to Napa, 
somebody makes bottles, somebody does labels, somebody does packaging, somebody makes corks, somebody makes the little hot stamp printer that puts your logo on the cork. Like yeah. every single piece of that is so dialed in from an industry perspective that everything is more efficient. Yeah. And efficiency is a big thing in the logistics packaging space because when you can get more efficient, you can get more cost effective. When you can get more cost effective, you can do different volumes. Like everything gets easier when things are efficient. I left this conversation with him and I was like, man, that is really fascinating. Yeah. Like whatever it was about this conversation, I was like, I just can't not get in that and do something. So I was gonna start Reese Bottling Company. I started a website and an LLC and all this stuff. And I actually had a logo and I was like gonna start a mobile bottling company. I went up to Surrey Community College after I left Wake MBA school and I was like all in it. COVID hit and the aluminum shortage started. And all of that is intertwined. Some of it was the rise of White Claw and seltzer yeah. <laughs> in a can and like hate on seltzer if you want to, but it was a movement. Oh yeah. And, and it is still a movement. I mean, it's still, it's still got market share and I actually credit seltzer with helping aluminum some, like I'm generally an all boats rise type of person. So, you know, what else? And my husband and I had a lead on this rig out of Texas and we were gonna buy a bottling truck and we just thought maybe we need to slow down. Like maybe yeah. we need to wait and make sure that whatever this virus is that we didn't know about in 2020, like doesn't wipe us all out. And then I just got a big rig sitting in my <laughs> yeah. backyard. Yeah. My kids are like, like, mom, what are we supposed to do with this? Go play. Thanks Go for seeing our life savings, mom. It's really yeah. cool. Use it as a jungle gym. Exactly. Our I mean, kids were gonna learn CDL driving. Yeah, jungle gym. <laughs> and I didn't have a CDL. And my husband told me I can't go to trucker school. So there was that. So I started thinking about maybe we shouldn't be a bottling company. Maybe we should be a packaging company. Maybe I need to think broader and be more flexible about this. And in this time, I actually went out and talked to my friend Meredith at Foothills. And she was like, man, have you ever thought about mobile canning? And I was like, no. I'm in bottles. Like, nah, I'm not going to do that. bottle person. Biggest regret ever. Like, Meredith, if you're listening, I wish I had hopped on it then. But that's when I started realizing, like, the industry was saying it was moving to cans. Wine is coming in cans. Cans don't break like oh, glass does. True. They right. also weigh less, which means if you are doing pallets and pallets and pallets of a product, guess what costs more to ship? The heavier. Yeah. 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 So, like... You get a lot of, it goes back to efficiency and cost, and so there's that. It's also the most beautiful thing about cans is when you have your seaming technology dialed in, which good canners do, what you put in this can is in this can for the life of the can. Like, the cork is porous. Yeah. You know, and so um, the cork technology has come a long way too, but generally speaking, this, is, this doesn't allow light in it. Yeah, that's so you're, you're not gonna get sunlight yeah. coming in this. Like, aluminum cans are a better vessel. Like, drinking wine out of a can, it's a better vessel. You're not going to necessarily drink it straight out of the can. A lot of the times, with nitrogen, they say, pour it in a glass and mm -hmm. still enjoy it that way. But it's all going this way. And so I started really thinking about maybe we could be a, a canning business, too. Like, maybe we could just do both. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> why yeah, not? Like... And then I went to the bank and took out a loan, and they were like, no, <laughs> you pick one. Yeah. <laughs> we're not yeah. giving you a loan for all this equipment pick. Yeah. And so I ended, I kind of stumbled upon 
the cask equipment because I really liked the dual stainless steel fill heads. No. A lot of fillers are plastic and that's fine for them, but I like stainless steel. And I knew that if I was gonna go around brewery to brewery, that there would be a lot of variation in what I was gonna get. And I'm a control freak, I'm a mom, real type <laughs> A. So I wanted as much control as I could have to make sure that foam levels were right, low fills weren't happening, dissolved oxygen stays under control, all the stuff you gotta think about. And the dual stainless steel fill heads on our machines, so I have one that's called a foam head, and the other one is like a fill head or top up. So for us, the way that we fill in the dual fill head technology is we put foam in first, and then we fill under the foam with beer, and then I have timers on my machine so that as the fill heads leave the can, I can also replace that vacuum with beer. And what's really nice about that for me is that if you give me maybe a super foamy, warmer kind of IPA, I can dial that back or take foam off. Like sometimes I get a really foamy or warmer product and I don't have to use the foam feature at all. It naturally Just makes foam. some. Yeah. And, uh, and so, so does that help push out any of that oxygen or anything yes. that above it? So that's the foam layer. So what you're doing with that foam layer is you're keeping it protected from oxygen. Yep. What do you do with seltzers? Seltzers are interesting and so are ciders. Okay. And actually so are sparkling waters. If you want to really get into things that don't make a ton of foam. So like that cider does not make a ton of foam. Even at, I think that one's like a 3.1 carb level, which is probably right on the cusp. Our machine also has a higher carb threshold than some others, which I like. So I can go up to 3.0 carb level in solution. Same people don't know what that is. Okay, so when you drink here, this is a good way to explain it to like anyone. When okay. you drink a Coca-Cola and you get that soda mouthfeel, it's more carbonation. So it's like, poof, ah, like kind of spicy soda. When you, when we're drinking these, it's not like blowing your mouth out with mm -hmm. CO2. It's fizzy, it's crisp, but it's not like, so it's not less, like Pop Rocks. Less, yeah, not Pop Rocks. So it's less CO2 in solution. And so that's just, you measure that on a ZOM and that's where you dial it in. Okay. Most people, honestly, most of the stuff that we can is right in that 2.6, 2.7, maybe 2.8 kind of range. It's just sort of where a lot of beer lives from what I've seen anyways, but it, we don't ever have any issues, which is really nice. Speaking of issues, since you started this, what have been some of the biggest issues you've encountered? What is it like being a woman in a male-led industry? I talked to more guys named Eric or Brandon. <laughs> we need to. We need to. And, sorry, Eric. Uh, yeah, sorry to all the Erics. I'm like, I love a lot of Erics, actually. There's Eric Reese down at Outer Banks, and there's Eric over at Kernersville, and Eric at... A lot of the There's a lot of Chads. A lot of Brandons. I talked to more guys named Eric and Brandon than I ever talked to women. And you know what's funny? Like, so Erica down at Free Range is awesome. She's their head brewer. I love her. Y'all should go down there. They make super cool, creative stuff while still being crisp and drinkable. We had, and like, I think she would say this, and I feel like I can say this now because we've been working with them for a year and they're awesome. We had a really shitty first run. We had some clogged fill heads. The downside of the dual fill head technology is that if you have got stuff, hops, you know, like stuff in your beer, sometimes mm -hmm. that can get clogged up really quick. 
those foam coils are very sensitive on our machine. So it's great when you're making foam on a nice crisp lager. It's really shitty when you're throwing like fucking pine cones down that thing, <laughs> those little hop things. And I'm like, oh my God. I've pulled out straight up hop flakes and been like, okay, y'all, we got to chat. But, but, so we had this really tough day. And at the end of it, she looked at me and she was like, all right, next time's going to be better. And I was like, hell yes. And I think something that I find with women in the brewing space is that they are so much more willing to view us as a partner. Sometimes you get some dudes who are head brewers, no offense guys, and I love, there's a lot of good dudes out there too, but like sometimes they're a little more defensive. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, this is my beer. My beer is perfect because I made it. And I'm like, it might be, but there's a difference. And I think this is a challenge too. There's a difference between great craft beer and great packaging beer. You know why you go to the grocery store and it's like full of Miller Lite? Because there ain't shit in that stuff. Yeah. Nothing to it. It's easy. It's lagers, like you've talked about in some other episodes, have some challenges. Don't get me wrong. And they've obviously dialed all that in. But like, you're not packaging a whole lot here, guys. And so when you start, and I think Sam at Wiseman touched on this some, like the biggest push-pull in this whole packaging space is volume. Like you got to have enough volume to even get somebody like me to come to you. We have pretty low minimums just because we're the smaller mobile canner of the mobile canning set, but it's still like 80 cases. And that's not nothing. Back to the challenge part, I think the biggest challenge for me, we've had days where canning and seaming can be a challenge just because it is what it is because everybody's had them. But the biggest challenge is that the logistics of getting all this to you yeah. is not nothing. Like, I've already done a lot of work by the time I pull this trailer out of this warehouse. I've staffed my guys. I've gotten the electrical to make sure the electrical's on working. Also, like, if anybody in the electrical space is listening, please standardize electrical outlets. I swear to God. <laughs> I've had to learn how to rewire electrical plugs and stuff, and it's just, like, the headaches in that space... And I think, too, because we have to think about a lot, even stuff like there's a step or a curb or a ramp. I went and did a site visit for a brewery up in Wilkesboro, and they opened the door, and they were like, what if we just took off the railing? I was like, no, we are not going to fit in here. Like, we are going to have to do this outside. So we're going to can in, like, a back alley Heck of yeah. a brewery. There you because go. there's just no way to get in there. You're talking about like logistics, and that's one thing I don't think people realize, even in a music space. It's uh, like yeah. us loading up our trailer, getting our trailer yeah. down there, the amount of extra gas it takes to take yeah. a trailer. and It's funny you mentioned gas, because when g- the gas prices spiked, <laughs> we were a brand new business, brand new. And I didn't feel like the time was right or that we had enough market share to raise prices raise for prices. gas. So I'm telling you, I spent most of 2022 with, I'd come off the job and be like, that is 120 bucks. Yeah. That I just made today. Hey, that was fun. A lot of hard work, might I just add, like a lot of physical labor. And people, they just don't understand all that. And even what I have discovered, though, the accounts that we have now, the Twisted Vines or the Free Range folks or the Outer Banks folks or the Liquid Roots is a good one up in Lenore. They're super small, but they make cool stuff. And we've been up there and What I've discovered is that people who understand that this is a partnership, number one, they make better beer. I just generally think people with that attitude make better beer. I don't know why. And they are going to end up with a better finished product. Like, I want 
as a mobile canner to be your partner. Yeah. I don't want to just be a vendor that you're stroking a check to. And if you're just looking for the lowest price, like you might be able to find somebody else. Yeah. I'm not going to promise that I'm always the lowest price, but like that's not my job. Yeah. My mm -hmm. job is to be here for a really long time, and I can't do that scraping by on making 100 bucks on a job. So yeah. like, you know, and, and we have other equipment that I'd like to buy, you know, to help us grow and be better and... And that stuff's expensive. Yeah. That's like y'all in the band space. Like what you do is an art form and taking your art all around yeah. and having different <laughs> acoustics and different electrical and different weather and different, Oh yeah. it just makes a difference. You never know what you're going to run into. It makes you very adaptable. We've played anywhere from just like a random pallet in the back of a room to <laughs> a a bar connected to a funeral home that smells like formaldehyde. <laughs> but we never know what we're gonna, like, a lot of these places will just roll up. They're like, yeah, it's popping here. Just throw <laughs> yourself in the back. Yeah. Yep. We get some people like that in the canning space, too. And I'm like, wait, please. Yeah, wait. <laughs> Come back here, please. Need info from you. Yeah. They're like, yeah, no, you guys just gotta set up over there. Yeah. And it's like, and y'all have the added thing, too. And this is something, we're probably the newest mobile canning company on the scene. And so sometimes I get accounts that have worked with others. And they're like, oh, they just always do it this way. And I'm like, just cause like one band has that equipment. Yeah. Like we have different equipment. We have different equipment. We require different space. We yeah. have different electrical air needs. Like that big old air compressor over there is not meant to be moved the way that I constantly am moving it around. But I had to find something with really high CFM, PSI, like it. Something with some ass behind it. Yeah, something with some ass, ass behind it. Right. <laughs> also, if we geared that up right now, it was like, Suited mm, it. Yeah, it's not messed got around. got a turbo. Uh -huh. <laughs> that sucker <laughs> got a Hemi on there. And yeah, and let it roll. I, and it's funny, like we bought a generator after that one day on the Outer Banks when we had like all this electrical stuff going on. I bought a huge generator. It's like over that way. Oh, and the... I take it every time I go on a first time Just account. in case. Just in case. Yeah. And Smart. even like I did a site that I do site visits too, and I don't charge for it, even if I'm driving all the way and back and spending 150 bucks on gas. It's mm -hmm. worth it to me to possible. see it yeah. and make sure it's possible before I got a guy on the clock and all my equipment loaded up and I've cut down my pallets of cans and I've done all this work. It's a lot better to know if you've got. Oh, by the way, yeah, we got a pole right there that you can't get around. Or yeah. like, oh, no, our door only gets up so high or it's only so wide. So one of the coolest things about this warehouse that if you look backwards, like that ramp is really nice for the trailer. And we use that for the trailer. And as long as you get that garage door up, yeah. <laughs> it up so don't clip the top of your trailer. Love you, honey. That was, yeah. <laughs> my husband did that one. But so that where my car is actually a dock height load-in. Oh, and oh, nice. I didn't know that until the Vernon Produce guys had some stuff stored here at one point, early days, like paper products and stuff, not food, I promise. But they pulled a dock height truck right there and they started unloading it. And I was like, whoa, I got to see this. Because Cartersville Brewing is a dock height load-in. And I went up and did a site visit in Asheville and they were a dock height load-in. And so for us, I got to rent a truck. Because I don't forklift our machine there are other people that will do that. I won't. That's our entire business. Yeah. So, like, it's not worth it to me to have that thing fall off a forklift. Yeah. From, you know. Get stuck in the wrong spot. Mm, I just assume not screw around with that. So, if it's a dock height load-in, I'll go rent a dock height truck. 
And I actually love a box truck. Listen, they easier to drive than this thing. Like, box yeah, trucks are great. Yeah, whipping around behind you in the yeah. wind. Yeah, and they're much easier to back up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was, you don't have to turn right to when go When I left or... <laughs> started this business, I did not know how to drive a trailer. I mean, yeah, there you go. Actually, you can always drive it forward. Oh, yeah, it's easy going that way. It's hard going backwards. The minute you put that shit in reverse, it's so sensitive. But so this right here, when you pull in this warehouse, you got to not only come up a ramp, but you got to start at a curve. And the first time I ever did it by myself, you go I, off the ramp. I pulled in. Here's this is even more like, hey, I'm a girl, so here's what's up. So I pulled in, and I I couldn't figure it out, and then I started to cry because <laughs> it was like 30 minutes, and I was like late to pick up my kids from school or something. And I was like, I just want to go off this damn ramp. I don't understand why I can't do this. And so I took a lap. I just was like, fuck it, and I took a lap it's around like a block. I just went around the whole block, and while I was driving, I saw like John's heating and air. Larry's plumbing, or maybe it's John's plumbing, Larry's heating and air. I can't remember. It was John and Larry, and I saw these two trucks. And I was like, if John and Larry can do it, I could do it. I can do it. And so I like really pulled myself together and I came in and I was like, I'm not leaving this warehouse until I get this damn trailer in this garage. <laughs> Those kids can go home with someone else. I'm saying ride in with a friend because I'm figuring this out. And it just takes a little like Finagling. Like, nobody can really teach you how to back a trailer. You just have to do it. Oh, everyone knows that. If they're not the one backing it up, they always know how it's done. I stay quiet. (laughs) Yeah, you do. Thank you. I stay quiet. (laughs) Thank you so much. I laugh on the inside because I I know I would be way worse. (laughs) I just get out of the truck and stand in the yard and laugh. It's really funny, but I bet y'all have this too as a band. Like, we pull up to breweries and stuff, and I can always tell if it's a first-time account, everybody is standing outside. Like, people will be like, hey. I'm like, great. What's really fun is when you have an audience of like 10 dudes watching you do this. (laughs) You're like, I promise I know what I'm doing. Hey. No (laughs) one watches us. Luckily. That's good. Because it's very (laughs) nerve wracking to have like 10 people stand there and watch your trailer backing skills. Yeah. Yeah. If you ever try those little tow behind air compressors, like, you don't have any forgiveness on those. Oh, yeah, because you can't really see it either. So right behind you. You turn that wheel, it's like, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Gooseneck or jackknife. Yes, it'll jackknife. I've only jackknifed once. It was on the Suburban, and I let that go. So I was like, eh. It's okay. We can buff it out. One of the things that this business has definitely taught me is you need to slow down, have patience, and get the right tools. Like that's a good rule of thumb for For any business. Just slow down and chill out. And I'm not a very patient person, but I I have a lot more patience when I'm working on our machines because... And this is like one of the beautiful things about it, and maybe this is gonna make me sound like a psycho, but like the machine isn't out to get you. It's not mad at you. It's either working or it's not. And you can get it back to working if you just slow down and take care of it. And like, you can get it back to where it needs to be if you need to replace an O-ring or whatever. And sometimes that's really tedious. We try really hard to not have to do like major repairs on the ground. Yeah. Back to the challenges of mobile canning, like this machine can look sparkly and great in here. And I load it in there and I drive it five and a half hours to the Outer Banks. Who the fuck knows what's happening? Yeah, like, yeah. like sometimes I open the trailer door and I'm like, okay, great. It's all still here. <laughs> nothing fell over. Like, we we made it. like nothing. The cans, I've had cans before. Just yeah. Oh. 
Luckily, it's mostly when I was coming back because the tension, I forgot the tension bander thing one time, and so I had to like hand tie them, and that didn't. But you know what's also funny, and I actually, I have a group of business owners that I work with that I love, and we did this exercise, like what do you want to be? And my goal is to be a competitive family business that serves the state and the region. That's my goal. That's awesome. And family business is important to me. My kids come in here and hang out. Like, they know how to clear out lids on the machine. And they're in, like, third grade and stuff. And so I love being able to show them, like, number one, girls can work machines mm -hmm. because they can. But I think STEM is really important. And this is a lot of STEM. Like, a lot of this is just tech. If you start, like, looking at the electrical panels of this stuff, like, you know, people always say you need to be good at beer, but I really think you just need to be good at machines yeah. to do what we do. Oh, I mean, yeah. we're definitely in plugs. logistics, but we're also just machinists. And so I've had days where we've had to like open stuff up and stuff, but, and, and y'all know this as oh, well as I do, no. like any one of these things could go and the whole thing is. Yeah, it's yeah. like, which switch is it? Yeah, <laughs> and like, you could really sit here for a while yeah, and be like, beep, 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 Turn beep. that one off. Yeah, I'm, right, I'm right not off. afraid to call the cask people. Yeah. I, at first I was like back to being, a, I mean, most of the time I'm the only girl in the room. And so I never, in the beginning I was like, I don't want to seem like I don't know what I'm doing. Now I'm like, shit, clock's ticking. I got guys on the yeah, clock. I got like, it. what up people? Tell me what, <laughs> yeah. which one of these wires do I Your pull Your thing's out gone down again. Yeah, I don't know, I got nothing. <laughs> and so, yeah, being a machinist is important. And so I try to like, back to being a family business. My dad is going with me on jobs, plenty of jobs. My father-in-law's gone. My mother-in-law likes to load cans. That's her favorite job. My oh, husband's nice. been. My brother-in-law's gone. We're a family. Yeah, in the um, family. And it's fun because a lot of breweries are family businesses too. So that's a, that's a whole lot of fun. One of the things that I think is tough is that canning and packaging in general is an afterthought. Naturally so, right? Like there's so much science that yeah. goes into just making the beer yeah. that sometimes I think by the time you get to packaging it, they're like, all right, just roll, come on, Let's like go. roll. And we definitely get that vibe sometimes, but there's a whole craft to this too. Mm -hmm. This is also a craft and something for us, like we try to have days where we specifically come in here and we clean and we calibrate and we check things and we replace parts so that I don't ever have to do that kind of stuff no, on yeah. the ground, but also so that we can train our people to be better at their craft and take pride in what we do. Because How many people is... do you have working for you now? So we have Dave and Joseph and Mark and Molly. I've gotten really lucky that I've had some of the best people, like just good people, yeah. interesting people, cool, different, like. People you can ride in the car all the way. Hell yeah, like all the way to the Outer yeah. Banks. Yeah, and actually I'll give a shout out to Mark Keller, here's a funny, we were going to the Outer Banks and it was our first time going. And this was an account we were taking from Ironheart. So I was like, we are gonna show up and kick ass. Like we are gonna <laughs> take names. Like there's no prisoners. Like we gotta just do this job and rock it. So I ordered some cans to be delivered down there. Cause I thought that would be easier than taking all the cans with us. And the cans made it all the way to Wilson, North Carolina. And there they stopped. They just stopped in Wilson. And the guy was like, yeah, I'm not going to the Outer Banks this week, but I'll be glad. And I was like, I have a job 
tomorrow. Yeah. I'm leaving my house in Winston-Salem and I'm going to the Outer Banks and I'm canning beer come hell or high water. So we got to figure it out. And he was like, ma'am, if you want to come to the facility down here in Wilson. And I was like, with what? With what am I picking up these cans? Like this was fully packed. We had all of our machines. It was a first time run. So we had the generator and some other stuff, the air compressor, like, so I didn't have a ton of room left for cans at this point. So Mark Keller, we got in the car and uh, my husband actually, I think ended up driving the trailer down there for that job. Mark and I got in my other car, drove to uh, Greenville, North Carolina, picked up a box truck, drove to Wilson, picked up the cans and just told Mark, use GPS, I'll see you there. <laughs> see you there. Like, Gotta go. Yeah. Damn. And I drove through Eastern North Carolina in this rented box truck that I'd picked up from like some hillbillies in the middle of Greenville. I mean, like, bless them. You know, like I walked in, these guys were like watching like gun smoke. I was like, hi. Hi, I'm here for <laughs> I'm the here truck. For my truck. <laughs> That's but awesome. What's hard about that is there goes the profit margin for the job. Yeah. That was it. Shot. Just that goes back to being a logistics company. Like, our job is to make your life easier and take all those headaches off of you. Yeah. And so we just have to absorb it. Like, it is what it is. But yeah, we did it. They got all 250 cases. Damn. And I drank a large bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I got to drop it off at a Home Depot in Kitty Hawk. So there you go. thank no God I didn't have to drive there. it back to Greenville and whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's stuff like that that people just, they don't see it. Yeah. Like, they don't see the behind the curtain. Yeah, it's just the I mean, glamour, the like the Instagram reels yes. you see. It's like, and no, part nothing. of our job is to make that the case. Yeah. We're part performative in that way when you're a mobile canner. You got to make it look easy so that. Like, oh, this? Yeah. <laughs> Do okay. this, this is, ain't no thing. Yeah, you just yeah. press this button like, and watch it go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, please, God, don't blow a fuse. Like, somebody, please. <laughs> please. That's awesome. That's crazy. And yeah. This is. So much, this has been so much fun. Like, yeah, you come hang anytime. It's right. a cool spot. Well, I, do, um, do you ever do cannings here? Like you yeah. say you do them out of kegs, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've run kegs. Actually, when we got this machine and it was like uncrated, you have to, you have to calibrate it before you take it anywhere. And so we're not a brewery. Most of the time these get delivered to a brewery. To a brewery and they got like an endless supply of beer they can screw around yeah, with. Yeah, that's right. I think that was when Stuart Barnhart over at Fiddlin' Fish, he was like, here's some old kegs of like banana beer. I'm not gonna do anything with, take it. And that's where I would, I have pulled this out towards the garage door and run it. I, a few weeks ago, my friend Nico over at Stardust brought me uncarbonated, non-alcoholic mead. And I was like, shit, <laughs> what am I gonna do with this? And we keep CO2 in here just for this purpose. But we, we did like a sanitary transfer into that little unitank. And then we carbonated it and then we ran it. Not best practice, but it can be done. And then we were talking about that lemonade. Great guy out of Greensboro, Joe. It's just a good dude, super nice. He's got big plans, I think. I'm excited to see what he does, but we're gonna do some carbonated lemonade, non-alcoholic. So. Starting out. Starting out, <laughs> yeah, you could mix it with a little bourbon and it'd be delicious. Yeah. But actually, there's a huge rise in the NA space. Yeah, mm -hmm. no, that's, I mean, like, we saw that. I stopped drinking for a while. Yeah. And I, I was like, I gotta find some, like, yeah. I found the athletic beers. I and, like those. There's, I've, I go in and out of trying to be dry and not. I, um, the Untitled Art is really good too. Did. Oh, yeah. yeah, we did the Little Brother Firefighter cans. So oh. they did a firefighter beer like yeah. two years ago. And the coolest thing about that, 
is that the firefighters came and worked on the canning line. Oh, nice. I actually That's have a really cool. cute video on our Instagram page. They were awesome. But we, and I should say, we do a program called Together We Can, where when we do something like that, we just donate $25 for the, from each run to the cause. That's awesome. I really... Together We Can. Isn't that fun? That's witty. See? That's See? witty. Yeah. Get it, can. That could also can. be an episode There's name, too. There's so yeah. much you can do with can. Oh, yeah, maybe that's going to be maybe the name of the episode. Maybe that's the episode name. Maybe it's not Ooh. the joke. Maybe it's together. Yeah, maybe it's together not making can. biscuits over there. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's important for me, you know, back to being a family business, but it's important for us to give back. Yeah. I'm a big believer in give back. I worked in a lot of nonprofits before I got here, and there's a lot of really good causes out there. And you, know, you go out to these breweries and they're always doing something cool. They're always like helping some kid and their race and their cause or ALS. And so I just think that it's more fun to do it that way. Yeah. Thank you so much Thanks, for guys. the yeah. entire tour. Thanks for coming and, to hang. Yeah. yeah. Well, folks, that's a wrap on this episode of Bruise Rock. We hope you had as much fun listening as we did talking with Kate Reese. We learned a lot today, didn't we? Like, who knew you could break into the beer industry without having to grow a beard? Thanks again to Kate for showing us her amazing yacht collection and sharing mystery beers and a lot of laughs. We can't wait to see you around local breweries. Until next week. Whee!